Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is Happy Tuesday. Today is October 20th, 2015. I'm Michelle Pache, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, making this your show. Now, let's welcome Michael in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Oops, Michael, you have excuse to... Excuse me. I'm, I was mute challenged. <laughs> what can I say? Anyway, thank you for uh, taking the show today uh, so that Jeannie can be packing up to get on an airplane and uh, fly out of New Jersey. And uh, I'm in St. Louis, beautiful sunny day in St. Louis, uh, about 75 degrees. And we will rendezvous this evening in Springfield, Missouri. And so we're delighted that you're available and so supportive of jumping in and taking care of that switchboard for us. Much appreciation. Oh, and thank you. Go ahead. You're 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 very welcome. I um I enjoy the opportunity and the learning and insights and being part of the community and supporting the community. It's a blessing. Cool. It is a blessing. I'm in full agreement with that one. And yesterday, Dr. Tim and I spoke a fair bit about uh, Einstein and the whole theory of the game and in kind of uh, doing some additional research that I've been working on for my book, I came across another quote from Einstein that uh, really tells us the futility of trying to figure this whole game out with our minds. You know, you've heard me often say that in order to heal, you got to be out of your mind. And what the, what the, what we call the non-being mind wants to do is figure it out. That's like the number one pseudo-solution of the non-being mind. And you can't figure it out. It's just not possible. You know, for instance, science is looking at and trying to figure it out. And one of the quotes I provided, I think I said spoke about it yesterday, was Einstein who says, when compared to actuality, 
all of our science is primitive and childlike. You know, in essence, he's saying, you're trying to figure it out with your mind and you can't do it. But what happens is, as, as David Bone said, the mind creates problems and then pretends that it doesn't create them but carries on with the same process that created the problem in the first place. And the reason why forgiveness is so powerful is because it's impossible to figure out. I was watching some people debate a point uh, this morning, earlier today, and uh, and and there, there are all these hot tempers and these jumping on top of each other and nobody giving space to say a word to the other, and they're sitting there trying to figure out something that can't be figured out. And so that goes on and on and on. You know, you look at the political pundits and there's the liberal side and there's the conservative side and there's the, you know, the war maker side and there's the peacemaker, and, and you can't figure it out. Why can't you figure it out? Well, I think Einstein came up with the answer. He says this. Nature shows us only the tail of the lion. But there is no doubt in my mind that the lion belongs with it, even if he cannot reveal himself to the eye all at once because of his huge dimension. We see him. This is Einstein. I think this is pretty cool. We see him, that is the lion, only the way a louse sitting upon him would. <laughs> so Einstein's saying that we're like life on a lion trying to understand and figure out and see the whole lion. So, you know, it's, it's, it, and that's exactly the circumstance in the situation. You know, when you, you recognize that, um, you know, according to Harvard research, 10,000 brain cells fire, and the max amount of data we get to see in that time frame is nine bits of data. And it's been estimated that the actuality, the lion, is approximately 20 trillion bits of information in that time frame. So here we are with a nine-bit mind looking at nine bits of data out of what is perhaps a 20 trillion-bit world, and we're trying to figure it out. And we don't have the intellectual capacity to do that. However, we can forgive it. That is, if we're in some form of hostility or fear, we can take responsibility for our hostility and fear, free ourselves from the destructive impact of the hostility or fear, and another faculty, another channel opens to answer. You know, if, if information and knowledge and intellect could possibly do it, there's more of it on the planet than has ever existed, <laughs> and there's more conflict and more insanity going on. It's never going to do it. And so what we're inviting people into is a pursuit of an actual solution that opens and develops a different set of faculties than those of the mind. You know, David Bohm talks about the problem is the mind, and then he goes on to say, and David Bohm is a, probably one of the most renowned physicists in history if it weren't for the McCarthy era and McCarthy getting thrown out of the country. When we think of physicists, we'd probably think of Einstein as quickly as we, or pardon me, we'd probably think of uh, David Bohm as quickly as we think of Einstein. He also worked with Carl Pribram at Stanford University on developing the holonomic model of the mind. And he, he speaks of this dilemma and that the thing we use to solve our problems is the thing that creates the problem. Until you find a way to collapse that in you which creates the problem, there's simply no figuring it out. Now, this genius from 2,000 years ago 
how he came up with this information, I don't know. But it really doesn't matter, and you don't have to believe that he came up with it. You don't have to believe that it works. All you have to do is try it and watch what happens. The places where somebody's been trying to figure out their conflict, their stress, their rage, their guilt, their fear, their blame, their you know, emotionally blasting their children or their spouses or themselves, has to be shut up. And the way you shut it up is through first century Aramaic forgiveness. So when I recognize that I'm a louse on the tail of a lion trying to figure out the lion, I recognize the futility of my mind trying to comprehend that and figure it out. When I enter into the core of the first century Aramaic forgiveness process, I get to collapse my mind's brainwash, and in so doing, I get free of the pain, the trauma, the insanity. I get to access. You know, if we listen to psychology, psychology tells us that we perhaps see 5% of our mental processes, which means 95% is unconscious. If you think 5% of your mind can figure out what's happening in the other 95%, good luck. And so we see all of the solutions that have been offered And certainly, there are practical applications for the mind. No question, it's got a place. But its place isn't going to be to figure out why I'm angry, why I'm afraid, why I'm sad, why I hate, why I fear. The mind's place is to give us a way to express our creative abilities in the world. And in order to repair the source of the dilemma, the source of the problem, Forgiveness is the requirement. So that's what we're here to support people in doing. And, of course, this is, as far as I know, as far as I can ascertain in 50 years of study and research, this is the first time in close to 2,000 years that this solution has been proffered. Men have gone on for 2,000 years killing each other, making war on each other, hating, fearing, making alliances, becoming enemies with somebody that was a friend yesterday, and on and on and on and on, and nobody's figured it out because nobody can figure it out. But you can forgive it. If you haven't accessed the forgiveness tool yet, if that makes sense to you, if it doesn't make sense, I'd love for you to call in and ask questions about it, but if that makes sense to you, then we invite you to go to www.whyagain.org. That's our website. And if you scroll down a little bit, in the middle of the page, you'll see a bullseye. And that bullseye will take you into a whole series of links that will show you precisely how forgiveness works, precisely how to remove dissociated content from your mind, the stuff you're trying to figure out that can't be figured out. It'll show you precisely how to be free of that and to really truly live as this awesome presence of love that we are designed to live as. How do we establish with all the hate and fear in the world, how do we establish that we're designed to live as the awesome presence of love? We have an easy answer for that. We want you to experience for a moment a human life. How do you do that? 
Well, hold a newborn child. You get to experience human life in its purity, in its totality. And it is this awesome active presence of love that we are designed to function as. So hold a newborn and you get to experience what a human life is. Free yourself from the hostility or fear that inhibits you from experiencing yourself as that newborn energy, as that awesome active presence of love, and you start to taste the delicious sweetness of who you are. And as you taste that, as you integrate that, what happens is you change the functioning of generations and generations and generations of people who were trying to figure it out and just didn't know how to do it. So that's what we're here to support, and we invite you to go to our website, whyagain.org, download the, uh, the, or go to the links, and it will give you everything right up to at least 16 different one-hour MP3s. They're free, where we have walked somebody through step-by-step step the whole forgiveness process. So if you need instruction on that, if you go, I don't understand, don't that, then start listening. And I suggest if you're serious about it, that you listen to all 16 shows, all 16 hours. And you can download them free on your computer. You can put them on your phone or your, your notepad or whatever it is, or your computer. And as you listen, there are nuances that come up in each different hour that get into the subtleties. In, in an interactive questioning mode, subtleties come out that don't usually come out in a teaching mode. If you'd like to, you can also order, of course, the uh, the DVD. There's a two-hour and a four-hour DVD of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? There's a four-hour CD of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? There's my book on CD, which unfortunately right now is out of print. You might be able to find a copy of it used on Amazon. If you can, they go for a buck or less in, in many cases. It's kind of an insult, but that's the way it is. So you can order it on Amazon, or you can download it free from our website in any one of a half a dozen different languages. We also have a, a new version, a new edit of the book uh, available on CD. It's an unabridged reading of the book with myself playing myself as the character. And uh, Richard uh, is being played by a character actor, a friend of mine from uh, Kansas City, who unfortunately, rest his soul, is, uh, have passed away. And we hold Graham in light and love. Graham actually called me one day and said, Michael, I was in meditation this morning. I was saying, what do I need to do next in my spiritual journey? This goes back 15 years ago. And uh, he picked up the phone and called me. He said, Michael, I was just told that I need to play the part of Richard in your book. I've got a studio. Come on. So I went to Kansas City, my next opportunity, and we recorded the book on CD. And it's a pretty awesome read. Pretty, And, and Graham was uh, was just so appreciative of his opportunity uh, to look at some of the things that came up in reading the part. Uh, he had uh, heart pain, which unfortunately is what ultimately took him out. Of course, you know, oftentimes we access things, but then the follow-through of dealing with them is a challenge. And so we're here to support you working through that challenge, working through every nuance of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, and pain that you possibly can. Until your mind, whether it's in your night dreams or your daydreams or your nightmares or your daymares to free yourself of the capacity 
to produce any form of hostility or fear whatsoever and to function totally, completely, freely as this awesome presence of love that you are designed to do. And so as you choose to do that work, you become part of critical mass. I have people who say, well, Michael, you know, I hear you travel six to ten months of the year. Here you are out there slugging yourself. You're paying your own expenses. You do the workshops free. And, Michael, you're not going to change seven and a half billion minds. And you know what? You're right. I am not going to change seven and a half billion minds. But here's what I am going to do. There was this physicist, ancient physicist, 2,000 years ago that said, a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. I think we can be pretty well assured he wasn't talking about bread. He was speaking about humanity. We don't have to get to every insane mind. All we need to do is forgive. And we'll open a space where human life will incarnate or show up. If you look at the Eastern Orthodox teaching, the whole idea was incarnation. When human life incarnates, shows up fully in a cellular structure of what we call a body, it creates a field. When we can get enough people who will do the work required, that there is nothing in that field that is unlike the presence of love that they are, then together those fields will permeate, will join, strengthen each other, and permeate the whole planet with this active presence of love, which will then pull the incarnation of every person on the planet into their bodies. Through resonance, it will draw those people into action and activity from the level of their created beingness. And the game's going to change. While you're checking out the, uh, the bullseye on the website, there is a really awesome 24-minute, uh, we haven't mentioned this in a little while, but a 24-minute presentation that Bill Costantino, and by the way, Bill just started, I believe it was this past Sunday, a, uh, a one-month, a 30-day invitation for people to uh, to enter into Forgiveness Challenge. And so he's doing that up at uh, Unity in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we're holding the space. I think he's got seven or eight participants who've committed to a month of forgiveness work. And so, but Bill, who's, who's an expert at doing PowerPoint presentations, took 35 years of my work and put it into a 24-minute PowerPoint. It's just amazing. When you go to the website, you'll see the bullseye. To the right of the bullseye, there's a link. And if you click that link, you'll see that 24-minute PowerPoint presentation. It's also inside the bullseye. But, and actually, I'm thinking about getting that, uh, that link removed to the right of the bullseye and just having it as the first link when you open the bullseye so that we've got room for some other things. I think we're going to see if we can get um, Dr. Tim had sent me a, uh, uh, an edit of uh, Michael Coughlin's uh, work uh, with us the other day on the show, just an absolutely awesome show. And, uh, and one that Terry Bowling did. So I think we're going to replace that link with uh, direct links right there on the homepage to listen to uh, what happens when people really, truly enter into the forgiveness process, people who believe that it is impossible. And you listen to these two guys, and you couldn't come up with people who had much more traumatic experiences than both Michael and Terry. You know, Terry shared with us on the show, that his life started out with a father who only came home from prison to beat him up. Uh, Michael 
uh, one of the things he got in touch with in one of the intensives was being five years of age and being so traumatized that his father wasn't there and his mother was uh, pretty abusive that he actually, a five-year-old, I mean, think about this, a five-year-old beat his own face with his own fist to the point where he ended up in the emergency room getting stitches. You don't get a much more traumatic start than that. Listen to those two guys and what they went through. It's just, and where they're living now. Both of them teaching the work, both of them working with the tools, both of them speaking a language based in human life, the awesome active presence of love. And I don't care what your trauma is. I don't care what your challenge is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care how terrible or disgusting the experience was. If you apply forgiveness, you'll be freed of it and the trauma attached to it. That's all. It's like it's as simple as night follows day. If you do this, this will happen. Don't believe me. Take the tool. Use it. Watch what happens. It's the most amazing thing. I mean, it still boggles my mind. That's pretty awesome. And so, Michelle, do we have Dr. Tim with us today? He's with us. Well, let's say hello to the young man and see what's exciting in his world and what's on his mind. Dr. Tim, how do you be, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. And awesome. enjoying the intro. And uh, glad you got the uh, edit. There's two shows I there. I did, thank you. The most recent one and then one from April. I think it was April 8th when uh, Michael called in. And There's a lot of overlap, but there are some differences, and um, I think it's fairly obvious at certain points that he's actually, you can actually hear the the softening in his voice even from April until uh, October, so it's lovely. Right. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, uh, you know, when he called in last week, I mean, I was just right on the verge of tears the whole time just listening and, you know, having worked so closely and watched some of what he went through uh, in his healing process. is just, uh, it's monumental. And, and I love Einstein's thing about a, uh, uh, what was it that was sitting on the tail of the lion or sitting on the lion trying to figure out the lion? <laughs> it's like, what a great metaphor for the mind trying to figure out how to repair the world or itself. It's, it's, it's uh, pretty uh, a louse. That was it. It was, it was a louse on the on the on the line trying to figure out the line. So, well, and there's is, a, uh, there are a couple different quotes. I think one of them was uh, attributed to Einstein, where he said, "In terms of understanding the world." We are, as human beings, a lot like a, a, a cat and a dog in, in the Library of Congress. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I mean, there is so much more available to us. If you understand, we're only able to hear 1% of what's audible and see a small, small percentage of the visible spectrum or the spectrum of light. And... So Einstein was getting that at different levels and trying to come across with um, st- quotes or statements that would help us just, you know, start to at least look in the direction of how little we actually have access to 
in terms of what our senses, how, how limited our senses are. Mozart had a quote, something to the effect of, I have never written the music that is in my heart to write. Perhaps I never shall with the little octave and of these five senses, but and 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 these you know fingers and and what 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 comes in my senses, but I know it shall be written. I know it's there. Mm. I know it's real, and I know it's eternal. Because he was getting glimpses of, you know, the, the 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 glory, the expansion of what music could be that was outside what his physical senses could duplicate with the, you know, the instruments of the time, etc. Yes, and one I can remember the one, first time. Oh, go ahead. Excuse me. One last point, and it came up in the intro. Is I think that somebody had probably heard Einstein's quote about being the louse on the lion's tail. And they wrote a book titled The Ant and the Elephant. And The Ant and the Elephant is um, an attempt to help from a uh, a business perspective or, um, yeah, that's the best way to say it, from a business perspective. What's the actual process of the conscious and the unconscious like. And so the essence of the story is that there's an ant and it's trying to get to the oasis to get some water. And it can sense the water. And so it starts out walking toward the water that it can sense. <clears throat> and as of, for a while, the water's getting closer and everything's going along well. But eventually, the water starts getting farther away, or the water moves, and so the ant has to change direction. And it's walking for days, and it's very frustrated because it keeps walking towards what it can sense is the water. But, well, the problem is the ant doesn't know it's on the back of an elephant. <laughs> and so, you know, the analogy is that the the ant is our conscious mind, and the elephant is the unconscious mind. It's a wonderful little book. It's not a hard read, and it's called The mm -hmm. Ant and the Elephant. Cool. So that was my input for today. Cool. Awesome. Well, you know, in that context, I, I can remember back when the first, what I refer to for myself as opening happened for me, and I can still go back and capture some sense of that experience and what I was shown in that experience. And I've likened it to trying to put an eight foot two by four in the eight inches between my ears. It just doesn't go. I can hold some semblance of awareness of it with my head, but it just doesn't go in there. It just, there's not room for it. And uh, so that's the, uh, that's the game. And of course, when we start to apply that in the practical world, how do you solve a problem that has that kind of enormity with a mind that is so limited? Well, you bring your mind into harmony with truth, you forgive, and you function out of your higher faculties, your being, instead of out of your head. And, you know, it's just quite an amazing thing, quite an amazing thing. Well, let's check with uh, Michelle and see if there's anybody in the 
chat room with a question or a thought for us, or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up. Michelle? Chat room is uh, very quiet today. Um, five guests. Mike, why don't you review um, for the guests in the chat room, um, how do they go about becoming a blog talk radio participant so they can share with the comments or questions? Oh, well, there are two ways to do it. Well, there are at least two. I guess there are, there are more than two. But for one, if you're in the chat room and you are can only listen but you can't write, all you have to do is, is register. There's a little register button. Just register with Blog Talk, and, and you'll be able to uh, to communicate with us in the uh, the chat room. And or if you want to do verbal communication, there are a couple of different ways to do it. You can Skype into the show. Uh, if you go to Skype and uh, and you hit the uh, the Skype button on the show, you can be talking to us there. Or we have a phone number, 646-200-4169. And if you dial that number, you'll be listening to the show. And then as you listen to the show, if you have a question for us, then you hit one and then put a hand up in the phone queue so that you can be talking to us. And we would love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to hear your voice. We'd love to uh, to support you in answering any questions on any of the nuances that we can possibly do. And then we'll join with you in developing the ability to open those higher faculties so that things we don't have rational access to us can be shown to us and taught to us. It's interesting, in the ancient Aramaic there is a, uh, a term that was used to describe a feminine elemental force in us that undoes the effects of our errors and teaches us the truth. That feminine elemental force was called, in Aramaic, Ruku de Kudsha, Rucha being the word that represents all the elemental forces, earth, air, fire, and water, were all referred to as Rucha. And then there was one elemental force that was specifically designed for humans, and that was Rucha de Kudsha. Kudsha being the root of the word kosher, that which is proper. So there are things that are proper for humans. There is an actual elemental force in us that and, and by definition, in Aramaic, it will do two things. If you're willing to turn your mind over to it, if you're willing to invite it into activity, it, number one, will undo your errors. Now, it doesn't matter how deep your errors are. This is a power that is only limited by your willingness. Now, you don't have to believe that this is true. You don't have to accept that Michael Rice said it, therefore it must be gospel, because it isn't. All you have to do is start inviting it into your life. Now, when you first start to do it, chances are there is a tremendous amount of unwillingness. The thing that limits the flow and the ability of that power to change your mind is your willingness. So it might take some time, but as you observe, each time you invite that power, it's like I'm at my rope's end, I don't know what to do here. Look, would you take this over? Would you move this energy for me? To the degree that you're willing, literally that power can reach right down to your genetic toes and remove hostility and fear that blocks the function of your mind. It's the most amazing thing. So that's the first thing it will do. It will undo 
And then it will reach out and undo not only what's in you, but the effects of those errors. In other words, through all of time, because time, of course, doesn't exist. It's something we made up. Another one of my favorite quotes of Einstein, time is an illusion, he says, although, albeit a persistent one. <laughs> so through all of time, and this goes beyond what we can comprehend, that power can move through all of space and undo all of the effects of the errors that have occurred. And then the other thing that it will do, by definition in Aramaic, is teach us the truth. So you don't have to rely on your own nine-bit mind, which is in essence a pea brain. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. If, if, if we had something more than a pea brain, we wouldn't have people going to war with each other. We wouldn't have human beings made of love killing each other. We wouldn't have arguments at every turn over everything that's going on in the world. Oh, I says debate this morning. You know, they, they actually set up these official things called debate. Do you know what the word debate means? It means to beat. We're going to beat on each other until somebody wins. And, and, they, and then the debate finished with, okay, the audience voted and these are the winners. These were announced. Now, it didn't have anything to do with which side of the debate is true. It was just these are the ones who got the most points, so they won in beating each other. It's a pretty bizarre solution to a problem, don't you think? So there is a power in you that when you're willing to get quiet and you're willing to trust it, It'll simply teach you the truth. And I'll tell you, it's the most amazing thing. The details that it will give you beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. So we're here to share with you how to get to that state, not to rely on somebody else's connection to that, but to develop and have your own. You know, if you look at the masters down through the ages, they all had that connection and worked to give others that connection. And the followers who didn't have that connection created a belief system and said, now you believe this, and then you're hooked to me, and you have to do what I say. Then everything will be good. It's a lie. It's a fraud. Dogma and doctrine doesn't get it. But engaging in the tools will take you to truth. And so that's what we're here to support, and we'd love to hear your questions. So if you dial 646 200-4169. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in the control panel, dial that number. You'll be on the air with us. If you want to chat with us, if you push 1 on your push-button phone, I don't know what you do with the dial phone, dial-up phone. I don't know. I don't think you can get in, but then nobody's got those anymore, hopefully. So if you push 1, that'll put a little hand up in the control panel. Through the magic of electronics, Michelle will look, and a little hand will literally go up in her computer screen, and she'll introduce you by your area code. So, Michelle, is there anybody there with hand up? <clears throat> yes, area code 231, you're on the air. Who do we have, and where are you calling from? Uh, this is Bob from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey there, young man. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I'm Grand part Rapids. of Bill Costantino's group here that just started Monday, and uh, looking forward to it. Um, I've been on a journey for a long, long time trying to find myself and some other things. So, um, and I came across your material about six months ago, um, and they, it, it resonates with me strongly. So I appreciate what you have to offer. Um, my question relates to the personal code challenge sheet that um, I yes. took. Yes. 
And right. um, it says that what I need to work on first, uh, my, my top score was love for laws of living challenge. That was number right. one. That was your number and one. It says okay. there that I don't want to. I don't want to see the world in a lawful, orderly place. Um, and here's here's my here was my experience with this. I was taking the questionnaire, and um, the questionnaire I think is an MMPI tool. Is that correct? It's based on the MMPI. Yes, it takes ten scales. And uh, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, when people do an intensive or Bill is using it with the 30-day uh, challenge, uh, forgiveness challenge program, it takes there are 160 questions out of the MMPI with 10 scales that that show where the holes are in the mind and where the work needs to be done. Yes. Right. I was going. I was taking that that uh, test. I guess you call it, and I was aware of the questions that asked about. Uh, following rules, law, and order, because um, right. I've used the MMPI before professionally, and I know that what, it, what it's trying to do, I, I think the law that it operates by is the law that says we're going to find out what's wrong with you, the degree of your severity, and then we're going to either give you a pill or give you a therapist. So um, I, I was thinking about that I was as I was taking the uh, the the profile here, and again, um, I don't want to see the world in a lawful, orderly place according to those according to that that framework. Um, and and much of my life has been spent in that framework, and yet feeling not a part of that framework, and often right. feeling inadequate or guilty because I'm not part of that conventional. Um, model which says that um, you know something's wrong with you. You have to look somewhere else for your 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 hope or your your healing, or you have to perform in some way. You have to do a dog and pony trick to to get love. Um, so I've stood on the on, on the sideline of that. A part of me has at least, but another part wants to do that because that's where you gain, in our culture at least, approval and acceptance at least from my point of view. So right. Um, and, and this is this is opening all kinds of things for me uh, in terms of needing Yay. congruence in my life and and thinking back to my parents and what I experienced didn't match what was being said or my the community in which I lived uh the rules that they lived by uh, didn't match what I experienced with them so this is opening up all kinds of things for me which is really really great I appreciate it um but I'm just wondering um uh, why you chose that tool and and how that how the how the laws behind that tool fit with um the other spiritual laws that were the other spiritual tools that we have does that make sense michael yes yes i got it all right okay. i think i have so let me let me address it and see if i do uh okay the that statement in the feedback uh analysis says that that's likely the way the mind is going to skew the world if this is a, a challenge area. And the the overriding one with that particular challenge is that one is going to tend to experience themselves as a victim. Mm-hmm. 
In other words, you know, what did I have to do with making this this way? I'm a victim of it. And, and it sounds like it's opening some of that victim stuff for you with how it went with yourself as a kid. And, gee, you know, I thought it was this way, or at least they told me it was this way, but my energetic experience was it wasn't. And so I became subject to that or, you know, victim to that. Right, and so to start right. to look from that perspective, and I don't, I don't uh, proffer the uh, the uh, personal code evaluation is 100% accurate. Over 30 some years of using it, my input would be that it's at least 97% accurate, mm-hmm. and it 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 serves as a starting point. You know, instead of well, somebody comes into a class and says, "Oh, well, I'll work on something. Let me see if I can figure it out in my head," which of course a little while ago we were saying you can't figure it out. It gives you some guidelines as to where to start. Okay, here's Mm -hmm. where there might be holes in your perceptual system. And if you do these things, then it'll tend to plug those holes and and move you out of the the blind spaces that that are not visible. You know, it's kind of like the fish in, in water doesn't see it. And if we've grown up in our own way of seeing the world, the fallacies in that tend not to be available to us. This, in my experience, you know, if we get people, for instance, who come and do a nine-day intensive, they'll do that, first thing, they'll do that uh, personal code evaluation. And that gives them and me some insight as to where the likely blocks are that they can apply their work to to specifically break through. And, of course, if you've worked with the MMPI, you know that uh, you know the, 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 the fallacy in the psychology profession is that thing never changes. Once it's done, it's kind of established, and, you know, you don't really get changes. And, and it is very common for us when we give people those assignments, it is very common for us to see in a simple nine-day intensive somebody who comes in, and the scales are each, all ten scales are one to a hundred, who will come into an intensive with a score of, literally on a scale of 105, 7, 10, 15, 18, 22, 44, and get 60, 70, 80, 90-point changes in nine days. Mm-hmm. And to me, the, the benefit of it is take this, work with these assignments, and see if that plugs some of the holes. And that's what it tends to do. Yeah. Well, it's opened up a lot of things for me, it lasts, at least in the past 24 hours. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do some worksheets on it, and it, it's uh, um, it's opening up a, a new la- a new a new language and a new set of perspectives. Hopefully, um, cool. Another question, kind of related to this, um, there, 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 Tim, there's an overlap. Before, before you some. go to your next question, before you go to your yeah. next question, perhaps Dr. Tim, because he of course has worked with the MMPI professionally, and he's worked with the personal code evaluation. Maybe on your first question, Dr. Tim might have a thought or two. All right, appreciate that. We move to your next question. Tim, do you have any thoughts to to share? Yeah, well, um I'm my, my what I was hearing was that there's resistance to using the results of a tool because of some implied um, intention in the way the tool was created. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, there's some resistance there. Sure. Um yeah, and that's what I'm trying to articulate and define. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would encourage you to do some work around that because it if I found a tool that someone had created for the bakery 
and I was working as a diesel mechanic, and I found that this tool that they were, you know, using to make donuts worked beautifully to help me tune up this Mack truck. I wouldn't care why they created it. If it fits, if it does the desired work, I, I'd use it with, you know, uh, abandon. And so I agree with you that there's a lot about the system of psychology and psychiatry that's very skewed and based on false premises. However, one of the things that is um, enticing to me about the way they created the MMPI was that they didn't build it on a theory. They built it on results. Mm -hmm. So they administered these questions to people and just watched how they answered and then compared the answers to the correlations to different groups. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you know, there's, there are questions on there that have seemingly no face value whatsoever, but they tapped into the unconscious dynamics. And so, you know, if, if people have a, a tendency to have uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder or an addiction with alcohol, they answer a question like, uh, have you ever wanted to be a forest ranger? They answer it differently than somebody who doesn't have that. And if mm -hmm. that's not based on a theory, that's just the percentage of people that answered that question that had that problem. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why the way that test was developed has so much accuracy and validity. One of the problems with it is that when people take that and then try to make it fit into a theory, they fudge the numbers or they don't they don't look at the numbers accurately. So when they create this system and they say, this is going to give us an accurate picture of a person's true personality and those core features in their personality aren't going to change. Well, that's just a theory. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's not true. So if you mm -hmm. can leave it in the realm of observation, try it and see what works. Take the test again later and watch how your scores have changed if you've done work in between. Sure. Then I think it's a very, very powerful tool. Yeah, and it seemed to. It's, it's already stirred stuff up for you, and since that's the whole point is for me to stir up what I don't know is there yet that's anything less than love so I can get busy removing it. That's the whole point of this work. Right, right. And I and a key word for me here is congruence. I want want life, my life to be congruent. I don't really know what that means yet, but um, I think there are, there are a lot of things underneath that that uh, I can sort through. Well, and of course, if you have that goal for your life to be congruent and it leaves you feeling anything less than love, then that's a goal to cancel and some worksheets to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, Fabulous. Appreciate your input. All right, and you had a second question. Uh, Michael, I forgot what it was. <laughs> I oh, will uh, okay. call you at some other time if I remember it. I, I would kind of got lost in our conversation here, so uh, um, when I think about think of it, I will let you know. Well, just just push. Probably the, the instant you cut off, you'll you'll have it right there, and so uh, just push one again. That'd be perfect. It's a delight All to right. speak with you. All right, thank you. And we look forward to supporting you through this 30-day forgiveness challenge. Michelle. All right, I appreciate that. Yeah. 
Hi, Bob. I'm Michelle. Hi. I um I live in the Lansing area of Michigan, and I just wanted to congratulate you on uh, the endeavor. You said you've only been doing the work for six months, and so um, I applaud the vigorousness in which you're approaching it. And, um, you know, as far as you mentioned congruence earlier in the show, we've talked about willingness, and so you might not know how to achieve the congruency that you're looking for or even how you fully defined it for yourself yet, but the key aspect is that you have the willingness and it's kind of like how all these other people, Vi and Maureen and Bill, got brought into your life. So um, I look forward to meeting you at some point uh, before the class is I trust you. I trust what I'm reading. I trust what I'm I'm receiving. So that, that feels good. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you all. Take care. All right, blessings. Delighted to be on the team. Thank you. And every, even the smallest question, we'd love to hear it because, of course, with your background in psychology and such, you'll you'll probably help to uh, us to learn some new uh, new pieces and new levels of the puzzle. So, I look forward to uh, more and more interaction. So it looks like we're down to uh, gee. About 10 minutes. So we've got time for another good conversation or two. If somebody else has a hand up, Michelle? Uh, no hands up right now. And, uh, again, a lot, lots of guests in the on chat room, but it's very little conversation. Okay. Well, if anybody's out there that has a thought for us that's uh, working with the tools or wants to work with the tools or has started and there's something about uh, – any one of the tools that doesn't make sense that you need support with, the purpose of this show is to interact with you and get your live input so that we can give you our live input. And together, we get to move forward into this state where less and less we function out of hostility and fear and more and more we function as we're truly designed to function as human beings. And the the best way I know to explain that to somebody because you know it, again it's like the you know the the uh, critter on the tail of a lion the best way to explain that that I know of is just hold a newborn child you don't need any intellectual processes you don't need to get into your head about it just experience that awesome presence of love and as you do you taste on deeper and deeper levels of presence of human life. The world put thumbprints on us, its hostilities, its fears, its rages, its own blockage of truth, its power person dynamics. And those things tend to run us. The reason they tend to run us is because the energetic dynamic acquired over generations you know, I, I love that story about in the Old Testament about the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years. I mean, you got to think about that one. How does a bright group of people like this get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? You know, were they talking about a hot, sandy place in the Middle East? No. That's just a code word for the unconscious. It's a code word for this huge carbon-based memory database that stores generation after generation after generation. And and if you look at the solution to being lost in the desert, what they said in that piece of work was the way to get out of the desert was the old generation had to die off. 
That didn't mean everybody in old physical bodies had to physically die. The root of the word generation is genari, it's cause. The causes held in the mind need to be removed. The cause of your hostility, the cause of your rage, the cause of your grief, the cause of your poverty, if you've got any of those things, has to be removed in order for you to be free of it. Now, the world offers all kinds of pseudo-solutions. In the codependence to interdependence work that I do, I go through what I call the eight pseudo-solutions of the non-being mind. And we talked about earlier, the main, the first pseudo-solution is if I could just figure this out. Another one is if I could just get somebody to love me. If I could just forgive them or they could just forgive me. They're all pseudo-solutions. Letting somebody else off the hook will never heal your mind. Letting yourself off the hook will never heal your mind. That's Greek pardoning. It's not forgiveness. Another one of the pseudo-solutions, you know, for people who do not experience themselves as human beings is if I could just get somebody to love me. And, of course, the kids had a song about that one back a few years ago. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. You're never going to find it in somebody else. You're going to find it when you bring it to yourself. When you bring the truth of who you are into your physiology, you will find the direct experience of love, and you won't be running around trying to get it from somebody else because nobody else can give it to you. If you meet someone else who's discovered that in themselves and you choose to play together, life is going to move into awesome. But if you are prone to the capacity for hostility or fear and bring that into your relationships, of course, your mind will always tell you that it's their fault you're in hostility or fear, and the only reason you're raging at them is because of the terrible thing they did to you. Excuse me, if you've ever raged at somebody, the only reason you rage at somebody is because there's rage in you. And you don't have to function out of rage. It is no inherent part of your being. And you will never find anybody to love you because nobody has ever loved you or anybody else. And you have never loved anybody, and you're never going to love anybody. And this is a shocker for most people when I say it. God doesn't love you. That's a lie. If you look in the ancient teachings, they say the creator is love. It doesn't say the creator does love. When you get to experience who you are directly in your physiology, you will experience yourself as a creature made of the stuff called love. There is no replacement for that. There is nothing you can get from somebody else that will replace that or do what that will do to and for you. Nothing. Nobody. So when we stop trying to love our neighbor, that was a fraud. Don't love your neighbor. Be love in the presence of your neighbor. Now you've got a formula for awesome relationships with your neighbor. Why? Because when you function out of love with your neighbor, you literally energetically are spraying love on your neighbor. Your neighbor's going to tend to respond in kind. That's just the way resonant energy fields work. They didn't tell us when we perceive our neighbor through rage or fear or guilt or hate or viciousness that we're literally energetically spraying, literally spraying on them the energy of guilt or fear or rage or bitterness. Because every perception you have is based in an energy stored in your structure. 
Marcel Vogel had a camera in his laboratory called a Delaware camera. He could take a picture of the high-energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. If I look at you through the eyes of my hatred, then I will spray hatred on you, and you're probably not going to respond very lovingly if I spray the acid of hatred on you. And I'm probably not going to feel very good if I'm spraying the acid of hatred into my cellular structure, because I get the original first, they just get the carbon copy. Forgiveness collapses the rage, brings the root of rage directly to the surface to be exposed to the active presence of love. And what happens when you do that, and this is the awesomeness of the forgiveness process, is the rage dissolves, the grief dissolves, The sadness dissolves. Stop efforting loving your neighbor, your children, your spouse. It's futile. It's a setup. Function. Strive to function as love with your neighbor, and now you've got something doable. And if you find your mind wants to go to its fear or its guilt or whatever it is, then you forgive as to your fear or your guilt, and you come back as the presence of love. When you're spraying love on your neighbors, they're going to like you a whole lot more. You know, people call it miraculous when they change. No, when you stop spraying the acid of all the negativity that the world has to offer on somebody, they're going to tend to respond in kind. That's what resonant energy fields do. And so engage in that forgiveness process. If you haven't watched the MP3, or pardon me, the, uh, the video of the PowerPoint presentation yet we were talking about, go to whyagain.org, and just to the right of the bullseye, scroll down a little bit to the right of the bullseye, there's a link. Now, this is there right now. I think we're going to change that, but you'll see a PowerPoint link. Just watch that, and it shows how to collapse a mind that sprays hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, pain, drama, and trauma on somebody. And then if you want to take your work to the next level, especially if you're way up there in that frozen Northland. Well, I know it's not frozen yet, but it's going to be in a few weeks. <laughs> in February, we're going to be in Florida. We've got two intensives that we're going to do starting February 1st, a nine-day codependence to independence communication practicum. That nine-day will actually stretch out for those who want to stay longer up to a 16-day. And then we'll be doing a 16-day laws of living starting on the 17th of uh, or pardon me, I think it's the the 18th of February through March the 4th. So if you want to come and join us, we've got this awesome 3,500-square-foot beautiful house just outside of Disney. And uh, come and take it to the next level. In the meantime, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world and to give yourself. And we appreciate your blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Please.